Welcome to this week's edition of the All Saints Lutheran Church podcast. All Saints is a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We are located in Davenport, Iowa. Each week we bring you the digital edition of the weekly sermon. Enjoy! The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is a prophet, like one of, one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent a man who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, and she pleased Herod and his guests, and the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for his guests, he did not want to refuse her. So immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and they took his body, and they laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Oh, yay! <laughs> it's a disgusting, gruesome, gory, nasty story. It is absolutely gruesome. And if, I, 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 as I sat around a table with clergy, colleagues, theologians, if you will, we all sat there and looked at this text with our steaming cups of coffee and our chocolate cheesecake. That is the only way to look at scripture. Did you know that? <laughs> and we looked at each other and we said, oh, what do you do with this? What's the point of this? And, and what kind of ridiculous person who decides our lectionary? You know, you can almost picture them going, I'll give them this one. Let's see what they'll do. And all of us sat there and looked at it and said, what are we going to do? What's the point? Where's the gospel in this story? It's just gruesome. Can you imagine having been there that day? No, 
If you were, you were something. You were something special. Because we're told in verse 21, who was there? And who was there was the best of the best, the who's who of who's who. I mean, we are talking about the courtiers, which means the royal family. We're talking about the officers, so we're talking top brass. We're talking about all the leaders of Galilee, so so prestigious shopkeepers. Those are the people who are there. So if you're there, imagine being there. To be invited to one of Herod's parties, you are something special. And imagine the kind of of entertainment. Well, the entertainment was quite profound that night, wasn't it? I can imagine if I was a wife of a man who took me to this party, the conversation we might have on the way home about the dancing. Herod was pleased, as well was the rest of his guests. The food was just out of this world, and as you reclined eating, you would literally rub elbows with the finest of the finest, the best of the best. Things seemed to be going really well. The party is going on great. The music is loud. The dancing is, is raucous. There's all kinds of activity. And then all of a sudden, in some sick, sick test of dinner theater. I mean, can you imagine gorging yourself and and being so full? And then all of a sudden, in comes on a silver platter the head of John the Baptist, and it's literally handed to a young girl, not more than 10 or 12 years of age. Now imagine the conversation you might have with your spouse on the way home. Don't ever, ever tell me we're going to a Herod party ever again. Not interested in being in that guest list. I can't imagine. It is gruesome, a gruesome story. And and if that's what you get out of this story, if you get that it's gruesome, then you might just be on to, well, you just might be on to the story. The truth of the matter is this is a loser story. It is. It's a loser story. We like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a cool guy. We love him. We love all the wonderful visions of Sunday school imagery we have dancing in our head of John the Baptist, of him being a man of peace, living out in the wilderness, being a man of love. It's almost like somebody out of the 60s who's eating off off nature and having his, his wild honey and his locusts dancing in the wilderness, healing people, proclaiming, proclaiming, proclaiming. We want John the Baptist to win. And isn't that what heroes are supposed to do? Heroes are supposed to win. But this is a loser story, I tell you. It is a loser story, and today our hero doesn't win. Today our hero is served up on a silver platter. He is beheaded, and he's not even given some great martyr ending speech of any kind. His head is just chopped off and paraded around the room. As we sat around our table and our coffee and our cheesecake, we kept asking, why? Why do we need the story? The story doesn't really appear to be about Jesus. Why is it so important that it's in Mark's gospel? What's the point of the story? And and somebody, of course, piped up that, well, maybe... Maybe it has to do with, it's a lesson to us that, that we need to be countercultural. You know, 
Oh, well, that's a good thing. Pastors like to teach and preach that a little bit, you know, that, that you, can, you can think and dream. You see, because our culture teaches us that just be good. Just be a good person. And if you're a good person and you make good decisions in life, then everything good is going to happen to you. Hogwash. But isn't that what our society teaches us? If you're good, if you work hard, everything will lay in place. Then there's reality, isn't there? Tragedy happens anyway. Cancer's diagnosed, babies die, children go hungry. It doesn't connect. It doesn't make sense. And so then somebody else piped up, well, maybe, maybe this is a story about failure isn't always your fault. Okay? Not, not such a bad moral story either. We can talk about somebody who has made all the good decisions. They, 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 they were good in school. They went to college. They, they married decent. They worked hard their whole life. And then all of a sudden, something happens. The, the economy crashes. They get a phone call. You're not needed on Monday morning. You see, we're all but a breath from homeless, if we're honest. And sometimes being poor isn't because somebody was bad or nasty or ugly or made bad decisions. Maybe it's just because life is hard and stupid and wrong. And we live in a broken, lousy world sometimes. And somebody else piped up, well, maybe it's about who's really in charge. Let's talk about that one for a minute, can we? I want to ask you the question, who do you think, who thought, who was it in our text this morning, who thought they were truly in control? Herod. Absolutely. Herod thought he had it all. He thought he was the one in control. He was the one who invited all the guests. He was the one who could snap his fingers and somebody somebody could die. He could order the beheading of anybody he wanted. It's a fallacy. It's a joke. And the joke is on Herod. Even though he sits in the presence of, of all this top brass, of all the leaders of the community, of the whole royal family, the truth of the matter is, Herod was forced to arrest somebody he didn't want to arrest. He was forced to chop the head off of somebody he didn't want to behead. And in fact, it disturbed him so much and it haunted him so much that he believed that, that Jesus might just be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Imagine the nightmares that Herod must have had. The times he was looking over his shoulder the torment that the man was living with. What a joke. Herod had no power. He got to looking at this text. He said, you know, the truth of the matter is, the player in this story today, without question, is John. This is a story about John the Baptist. He is the primary, primary player in this whole story, albeit most of the story is just John's head that is the actor and being paraded around on this platter. But John is the actor in this. This is his story. And John always, 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 without fail, always does one thing. Anybody know what it is that John always do, does? John always points to Jesus. Every time we have a story about John the Baptist, every single time, John always points to Jesus. 
And he's doing so today too. We don't get much mention of Jesus in our lesson this morning, but John is still pointing to him. Because you see, with the death of John, especially taking John's head and parading it around a full room of people of power and prestige, there was no way anybody could doubt, nobody could question, anybody who was who's who, anybody in the know, had to know from that moment, guess what? John's dead. They saw his head on a platter. There can no longer be any question. And on the death of John opens the doors for the birth of Jesus' ministry. John's death is a foreshadowing in Mark's gospel of Jesus' death. It is a gruesome story. And that word kept popping up in our discussion as pastors collect around a table. They just kept saying, oh, it's so gruesome, it's so gruesome, it's so gruesome. And I finally started to laugh. And they're like, Lisa, what's wrong with you? How can you be laughing? I said, well, you don't understand. I have some baggage with the word gruesome. I said, really? What might that be? You see, I have this crazy, I mean crazy aunt, Aunt Mary Lou. And she is married to a man. He is my Uncle George. And she has a pet name for him. And that pet name she has for him is Gruesome. <laughs> we all have Gruesome in our lives. You may not have Uncle George in yours, okay? But we all have something Gruesome in our lives. Maybe it is a recent diagnosis. Or a diagnosis that you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship that, that, that you've held on to the baggage of that brokenness and can't seem to figure out how to loosen your grip. Maybe it's that fear of what our finance is going to bring tomorrow or next week. Maybe it's worry for your children or your children's children. We all have something in our lives that we deal with. There isn't a one of us that's immune. We like to walk and dance and play and live like we are. But we're not. You're not kidding anybody. You're not kidding me or the person sitting next to you. We've all got it. We all live with it. But what this text does is it does ask us, who is Jesus? And what in your life is pointing to him? Please pray with me. Holy God, John the Baptist always pointed to your son, Jesus. May we live lives that are doing the very same thing. That even in the gruesomeness of our lives, in the brokenness, in the hurt, in the fear, in the unknown, that we would still be reminded of the rest of the story. That John opened the way 
through your Son, Jesus Christ. And that through him, we have life everlasting. And that whatever gruesomeness is present here is, is only but a batting of an eye. Holy God, and yet we know that gruesomeness is real. And it paralyzes us. And it cuts us up short. And it swells and wells up inside of us that some days we feel like we can't go on. You know the pain of having your cousin die. You know the pain of abandonment. You know the pain of hunger and unknown and fear. Holy Jesus, walk with us in those times. Remind us that we're not alone and that John was not the end of the story, but opened and pointed us to you. And you are a far, far better story. Holy God, for all of those in this community that, that are in those gruesome places of life, Be with them and restore them. Heal them and mend them. And give us strength to be with them in those times. That they would know that they are never alone. Holy God, strengthen us at the table. As we feast on your, your body and blood, strengthen us that we would indeed be your missionaries. That we would proclaim you as the risen Savior that everything that we do, our lives, our, our words, our actions, would always point to you. And all God's children say, Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the podcast from All Saints Lutheran Church in Davenport, Iowa. Please know that you are welcome to visit and worship with us anytime you're in the Quad Cities. You can also find us online at www.allsaintsdavenport.com dot o-r-g we are missionaries proclaiming christ and we pray that you have a blessed week surrounded by his love